Yeah, I fucking had rollerblades. <laughs> no. <laughs> Rollerbl- rollerblades are one thing that were fucking cool that everybody else was wrong about getting phased out. Fuck, fuck everybody that at some point decided rollerblades weren't cool. Rollerblades were the shit. Welcome to The Dead Format, episode 59. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by a decidedly more sober Thomas Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. Hey, we started last week, same as usual. It might have gotten a little bit off the rails toward the end, but... Nobody listens all the way through, man. That's like rule number one of podcasts. You can put anything you want after the 45-minute mark. Well, you had a oh man i don't i don't want to spoil it actually no it's released it's already spoiled the <laughs> listeners who made it through to the 2 hour mark got to listen to the epitome of ian's podcasting career <laughs> at 2 minute 2 hours and 1 minute it was beautiful it's definitely going on my cv for my next broadcasting job i i'm just super happy i get to edit this episode because going through last week's episode without being able to edit anything out or like taking out the sneezes or the sniffles or anything that like disrupted the audio quality was just like killing me last week yeah i bet and uh i actually can't believe i actually went back and listened after a couple people hounded me about it and uh, I think it really actually didn't sound that bad to be recording in the same room. Like, that was totally an experiment for us. Like, we just sort of jerry-rigged it last minute. And I think it worked pretty well. I mean, the levels sounded good and everything, because a lot can go wrong. Yeah, so I I did do my work with the levels and the volume and all of that to equalize it. But okay. one thing that I would have changed going back was the microphone was set up to be directed toward you. Yep. And I was coming in toward the side and I have a special type of microphone that basically just picks up the front. Oh, is it cardioid so, or whatever? Yeah, it's a cardioid. So you got picked up very well. And since I was coming in at an angle, my volume and just sound stuff, it didn't sound as good for me. So if we set the mic back and had mm. us split it, it would have been perfect. But for a first experiment of doing that, it came out pretty good. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that typically you're a little louder than I am, like just voicely, vocally. There we go. And uh, so I think it worked out. Like I didn't have to fuck with the volume when I was listening to it. So yeah, it, it worked out great. Cool, man. So yeah, we uh, maybe four, five hours after we finished recording, you came in to wake me up because you were going to the hospital. Oh, yeah. So the reason like it's only happened a few times, but I think one of the reasons why we do as well as we do is our quick turnaround time, like record on Monday. I always edit on Tuesday and then upload 
Tuesday night and people can listen to it Wednesday morning. That's like my kid had a fever. We were giving him some medicine. He woke up that morning and his his fever was 105. So you were sleeping in the back. I didn't have the best night of sleep because of <laughs> because of recording and we uh we had to make sure that we brought him to the hospital. So the reason that everything got turned over late was because my kid was sick. And honestly, I think it's just a rite of passage for parents. Your kid gets sick, gets a fever, you freak out. And we're really lucky that this happened when he was he was past two. Usually usually it just it happens earlier because kids get sick more frequently. So nothing was seriously wrong. He's great. And uh and that's what happened. Yeah, 105 sounds really bad, but apparently from the coworkers I talked to, that's actually okay for a kid. Yeah, I guess they don't really look at what the actual temperature is. They look at whether it's sustained and the kid gets better after treatment. Mm -hmm. So it's, if you had an adult with that temperature, you're like, oh man, that's really bad. Yeah, that shit melts your brain, right? Yeah, but it, it was fine. So I left Tom's house. My stomach was grumbling because I'd had some cookies the night before, but I was uh, I was like, man, I kind of want to stop at this McDonald's. You you have a McDonald's, I guess, uh, rip because you're moving in a couple weeks, but there was a McDonald's like right across the street from you. It I I tried when we moved in, right? I made this commitment to myself that if I ate McDonald's from that McDonald's, I would be dead. So what? the the McDonald's across the street from me has been off limits because how easy would it be to wake up on a weekend morning? Oh, cause you have diabetes. I'm sorry. Well, yeah. diabetes, like heart, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it yeah. wouldn't be good in general, right. but imagine waking up and going outside and getting your, your mail and your newspaper and just smelling the sausage and the bacon and the biscuits wafting from across the street. It's like a dream come true. Walk. Yeah. To walk over there and be like, Oh man, Give me, give me a bacon, egg and cheese biscuit and a sausage, egg and cheese biscuit. And just let me go back to go back home. So that's, I put, a, that's like the American dream, right? It is. But that's why that's why our life expectancy is dropping. That's <laughs> oh, why our, our health care costs are soaring. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's actually true. It's true. So, so yeah, I was this close to stopping. I haven't had breakfast at McDonald's since I worked at a different office because there was McDonald's on the way. So it's been like a year and a half probably. I was this close to stopping. Didn't stop. Got all the way home without realizing that my wallet was on your computer desk. Well, the worst part was you texted me and you were like, I think I lost my wallet at your house. And I looked everywhere. I looked under the bed. I looked <laughs> between the bed and the wall. I was checking oh. everywhere. And my computer desk has a slide out tray for my desktop that I fried from editing podcasts. <laughs> so I've been using my laptop sitting on my computer desk, like with everything else sort of still hooked up. And I have a second keyboard on the sliding tray that Ian put his wallet on and we found it. We found it a little later, but I'm glad you got it back. Yeah. So that, that was pretty much my day. So after that, I just took the rest of the day off. I was not feeling the best, but, you know, cookies and, and Miller Lite will do that to you. And I ended up getting trophies 13 through 16 in M20 draft that day. So hella productive, really. That That's a good day. 
Yeah, it was uh, it was a day, man. I got my rating back over eighteen. So, I uh, you know what I did that day? Uh, hospitals. Uh, okay, hospital in the morning. Mm-hmm. Then I went to grad school. Then I finished your Miller Lights that you should have <laughs> finished the night before. Damn! Hope they were nice and warm for you. They were not. I put them. I put them in the fridge. Okay. So we had a. Actually, so I didn't actually talk to you. How was your weekend? My weekend was busy. We had all the James hospital stuff and follow-up appointments. We moved up our closing date. So this weekend, we we did a ton of stuff. We went and got started packing. We ended up having a little bit of financial stuff to do before we got the final approval. Like, everything is set to go. We got our keys right after Labor Day. I can't wait. But it was, it's just a really busy culmination of everything that's been going on. My summer grad school finishes Thursday, so I have two finals. And then after that, I literally just have packing and everything else to get ready for. Wow. Yeah, it's intense, man. Yeah, I, oh, man, it's been crazy. So yeah, I didn't do anything close to that responsible. I just, uh, we have people over to do the old school cube again because Dorico's headed back to Tennessee this weekend. So, uh, like Ryan and Charlie and some other people came over, uh, and we cubed and played a lot of old school. And yeah, that was pretty much my uh, my weekend. So some magic playing, a lot of a lot of test games of Legacy. I I wish I could cube more often. Like when I move into my new house, I. I want to get a group together to be able to come over to cube regularly, but I realize now that I'm like old and all of my friends live in areas way away from me. So that might be tough, Yeah, but it's, it's one of my dreams to have a cube night every week. Well, just do it on arena, right? That's, that's the future of magic. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Then you can write little, little tweets that are four four pages of, of screen caps of notes about how, uh, you don't know about your future place in magic. What what are we talking about? Every Did single, I miss something? I don't know, man. It feels like every single person's done that so far. Oh, you mean like... Uh, I was just reading Ephros a minute ago. Look, I don't you feel super bad for people yes. who for the last five or six years have been silver, gold, silver, gold, silver, gold, gold, yeah. gold, silver, and making their lifestyle travel play and and do pretty okay for themselves and now have it just all be gone right i do feel bad for them yes yeah and you have people who have a ton of twitch followers for whatever reason definitely not be as good at the game as those players but are getting more exposure from watsi because of the the viewers they bring it's it's strange, but Wizards used to have this. All right, the tournament. It's all about the tournaments. Yeah, and now it it seems like that's gone, and it's all about the viewers. Whatever Watsi wants to do, they're gonna do. But I, I I can see how it sits poorly with some people that really dedicated a ton of their lives to this game. Yeah, you know who I think's taking it really exceptionally well is uh, Kevin Jones. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter at all. But he actually had decided not to, uh, our former guest, I should say, the daddy, Kevin Jones, 
he decided not to go to London because it was a financially irresponsible decision. He's got a wedding coming up. And he sort of like resigned to life, quote unquote, post magic. He said he's still going to go to, you know, the, the local-ish events, the ones that are reasonable to travel to. And I think he's going to go to Pro Tour Richmond, I believe, or MCQ 5 or whatever it might be. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. There's some people that I think are taking this as like a wake up call that I think is, is actually pretty cool. Like that, that turn this into a positive, but there's a lot of people that I do feel really bad for too. No, I completely agree. And it's life, right? Yeah. It's life. There are people who base their long-term career goal on this game and whether or not that was a great decision to begin with, like in my mind, all of the people who are that good at this game could have found a career that would have been much more stable and lucrative in computer science or engineering or something. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And it, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's not too late for most people to, it it is not. And I feel like, I feel like this whole thing happening right now, could end up being a positive for a lot of those people as long as they take it the right way. Yes, exactly. You were smart enough to do that well at this game that you dedicated yourself to. Dedicate yourself to something with a marketable purpose. Treat it the same way, and you're going to be in a much better spot in 10 years. Absolutely. Well said. So the only other thing I wanted to mention before we get into the list this week is I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's the Brad Pitt, Leo, um, Tarantino Tarantino. movie? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it was fucking fire. It was probably, in my opinion, the second, third best Tarantino movie, maybe. Next to, like, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction? I think Reservoir Dogs is a little overrated, personally. But it was one of the first. Yeah. Reservoir Dogs was what people got. It got people into the Tarantino universe. I think that that's a little bit revisionist, man. I think a lot of people saw Pulp Fiction and then pretended that they saw Reservoir Dogs first. Okay. But I, I digress. I was also eight at the time, so. Yeah, I, I'm I, a little I, older. I, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, maybe Reservoir Dogs deserves more credit. I think a lot of times I don't give the first album or first movie as much credit because I, it did break some ground, but if you view it in the context of everything else, it's kind of like simplistic broad strokes, right? Okay, so you think Tarantino, what do you think of? Pulp Fiction is the best of all time, Pulp, you know, okay. just fucking phenomenal. Yep. And then I would I would go Inglorious Bastards too. Okay. I, I've rewatched that movie probably more than I've rewatched any other movie. Uh I put put this lost I would put uh, I keep calling I want to call it Lost in Hollywood, but that's just movie down song. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I would put it slightly above uh Hateful Eight, honestly. Okay. Wow, what do you, what's your power ranking? Well, I think it's Pulp Fiction number one, Reservoir Dogs number two, and because I'm old as fuck, From Dusk Till Dawn. Oh, no. Number three, number three. Because all of the Tarantino movies that happened, like, after 2010, I don't yeah. know, I just sort of lumped together and don't give them as, t- as much respect as the early ones. Well, right. I may, I may be missing one or two, because I know the Kill Bills... Yep. And then I know Hateful Eight and Bastards, but I guess there's only one that I, I'm forgetting. Okay. But yeah, I, I feel yeah. Uh, but I do think that uh, 
Hateful Eight is a very rewatchable movie. Anyway, moving on, we had two big events online this weekend that neither of us played in, per usual. But uh, our we had some friends that played in it, and actually some some past guests that played in it and did extremely well. Yeah. The okay. So I've yet to play in one of the MCQs just because I I haven't had time, and I hope once things settle with my new house and moving. I'll be able to do stuff like this. Bro, but there's not going to be an MC to queue for. Okay. Isn't this the last one? Is it really? I think so. It's, I mean, it's, I think it's the last scheduled one. Or maybe there's another one this year. I don't know. But, I mean, I I think Richmond's like the last paper MC, right? That we know of. At this Is point. it really? That's what I thought. That's what I was under the impression. There's been... I I was under the impression that they just hadn't announced rolling everything over. But if they're doing everything arena now? Yeah. That's well, what I thought. I don't uh, know. Nobody knows, right? Nobody knows yeah. for sure. Maybe well, hopefully I'll be able to play more more leagues then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know, tough. bro. So yeah, the anyway, this this MCQ for Richmond. We had our buddy, uh Rich Shea Rick Shea, who the Atog Lord, obviously phenomenal player. We talked a little bit on last week's excuse for a podcast about his Blood Moon list and what we thought of it and how we thought Blood Moon was in the meta. And he took it and he, he crushed. He just absolutely crushed, man. Yeah, so uh, Mono Red Stompy dominated this tournament. Yep. And the league results, the Star City results... All of the results leading up to this tournament was four color Renin six dominated, and depths. Right now, you think about how to attack that. Mono Red Stompy does a really good job of it. Absolutely. And then you think, all right, in a meta where Mono Red Stompy rises to the top, what happens? Sneak and show. Well, sneak and show. Death and taxes. Death and taxes. Red, black, blue, white, blade, right? Yep. And mm-hmm. if you analyze the top 32, the top whatever Anarog put together, he he listed all of the 7-2 decks or 6-2 decks from watching the replays. It's, it's a lot of those decks. The next leveling of that meta came out pretty big in this event. Wait, I'm not sure I follow. Okay, so... We expect a bunch of four-color Ren, right? Yeah. And in the top 16, if we look at what's going on, it's a lot of decks that beat four-color Ren. Okay. And on top of that, the decks that sort of seeded themselves to the top were the decks that beat the decks that beat four-color Ren. Gotcha. I was just surprised that there's still three Blood Moons in the top eight if those decks did show up. I well, guess. so it wasn't it wasn't a huge number of those decks, right? We saw what uh, two Black Red Reanimator, a Sneak and Show, two Death and Taxes, one sort of Blue White Taxes, mm-hmm. or was it was it three Black Red Reanimator, a Sneak and Show, and then like three three Taxes ish decks 
Right. So these so these Blood Moon decks kind of ran the gauntlet. Yeah, like when when you end up playing a deck like that, like Blood Moon, obviously you have to get fortunate matchups if there's a large amount of you don't want to play against this deck in the field. And two, you need to run hot with your opening hand draws. Like that deck can have some insane opening hands, but sometimes you just see what you have and you mullet and you see what you have and you mullet and you're just not going to do well. So Rich and Zach and another player did really well in this tournament. Obviously they're skilled players, but obviously things had to go right as well, right? Yeah, and the other player is no good Suna. So, yeah, congrats to all three of you. Rich, uh, in the final, he was telling us that he lost game one and, and took a, took on favorable split to to uh, scoop the, uh, the other person into the win. So it, they never actually ended up finishing, but basically he felt like the, the blue-white Stoneblade deck was a reasonably bad matchup for him. Yeah, and uh, you can, with the mana base yeah. and the threat curve, we talked about this a bunch. No, I agree. But... Yeah. But so it's, that's just to tell people what happened there. It's great to see somebody like Rich, who is a sort of steward of the format, take that role to usher in somebody into something that they probably really wanted to go to. Yeah. I, I don't know how many people in that spot would be comfortable enough to do that, right? Like, you're playing in this event to get to the pro tour where that that's your goal you feel like you made it and rich is in a spot where he's been there and he's done that and he can he can sort of give back to other people who haven't been that's that's kind of great yeah i like that take that that's uh that's a cool way to look at it i was thinking more like he just didn't want the hassle of going to a pro tour and having to hang out with a bunch of grinder barnacle turds so he he played it off as uh, scooping someone in and got some extra equity out of it, maybe. Yeah, that's, I just, guess that's, that's, that's just a cynic in me. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I'm sure there would have been people playing old school at the Pro Tour, though, right? Oh, dude, come on. You know that all the stewards of, uh, of Magic's history are at the Pro Tour, right? No, but for real, they would have been. You think so? There would have been at least an eight, man. I don't know, man. I guess we'll have to ask Jerry about what he saw in Barcelona. Top top of a mountain? <laughs> no, Jer- I, the picture. I'm lost. Jerry, I'm Jerry lost. had a picture that he posted on Facebook of like him at the top of a mountain in like a half button shirt blowing in the wind. See, I must have looked at it sideways because it looked like he was laying on a couch to me. Okay. But yeah, I guess uh, if I rotate at 90 degrees, he was standing on a mountain. I'll believe it. Okay. <laughs> Dude, your meme your meme of uh, the Hogax didn't get enough respect. It didn't. It didn't. That, I, was a gr- that was a good one. It was good. I can't talk about it, but it's <laughs> it's there. It's there. So this deck list, though, Tamir BB that won first place in this uh, MCQ. Yeah. Congratulations. Blue White Stoneblade. Six Planeswalkers. The three Jace, two Narset, one Teferi. And then just basically just Stoneblade, right? Like nothing cute about this deck, and there's no back to basics in the main, as is what we've seen lately. But there are two in the sideboard. 
And what do you think of this list, man? It's pretty clean. I think you'd like this list. I love it. So I would want to go up to four true name. And I would probably drop whatever spell. Like, there's a Force of Negation main, which probably was very good. Yeah, I'd want that. Uh, But I think that I would drop the second Council's Judgment for a fourth true name. Okay. And maybe that's wrong. I might drop one Planeswalker for a true name, but I feel like this deck wants four true names. It seems like it could be kind of threat light, where its interaction isn't always enough to bridge the gap. I yeah, know with I, a Teferi. I would drop a Jace for that very reason that you're saying, because I would want to keep all that interaction. So it would either be the Jace or the Judgment. And I think this is a really great Jace deck. So I, I wouldn't want to drop a Jace. I'd probably want to drop the three mana answer. Okay. Yeah, I feel you there. And the blue count is high enough, I guess. Yeah, it's actually really high. So this deck can get away with Cyborg Hyper at once and have to worry about that. Got two verdicts in the side, a blue blast and a purge, which I absolutely love right now. And yeah, well, we already mentioned two back to basics and an extra to Fury too. Yeah, so, I, I really like the two Supreme Verdict in yeah. the sideboard to be able to bring them in against the four color decks. Like that card is just a trump and Palace Jailer in the sideboard as well. I love that card. You do. I, haven't, I honestly haven't seen it in a while. I forgot it existed. Well, it obviously is seen play in the blue-white decks. The Kaw Death and Taxes decks have been playing it as well. <laughs> and we're going to see it in the humans list coming up too. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So then, yeah, we, we mentioned Rich's list. There's one really cool thing. Did you notice about this list? The three idol and the Great Revel on the sideboard? Yeah, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but the three ensnaring bridge in the main deck... Yeah. That's that's a little bit higher than it usually is too, right? Well, so typically it's there's many of them in the sideboard. Uh and with Karn it's it's like a sideboard target. Right. So so you leave one in the board for that reason and and potentially go up to three in the main. Yeah. And Zach has done that. Uh I know when we played together a while back and true name was like the Scourge, uh he had his Ensnaring Bridge's main deck. Now, so one it is like an alternative. Now, one Magus of the Moon seems seems like that's a cutback. Is that standard? No, I mean, I I say that the number you see most commonly is three followed by four. Yeah, I I would go the opposite. I would think it would be four followed by three, and it's strange to me to see a deck that really wants to be able to put a Moon effect into play cut back on Maguses, but if the most common four-color deck that you're trying to moon is playing Lightning Bolt, is there a removal spell? Maybe that's the way to go. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's how I look at it. Is It just gets bolted, right? So I guess there aren't any more in the sideboard, though, which kind of surprised me. I was expecting to see another one on the board, maybe, for like your depths matchup or wherever you just want to stick a Magus turn one. Like, absolutely, right? Yeah. Now, I think the best thing to compare it to would be Zach's list in third place. And the changes that you see are really like, there's three extra Magus. There's a different split of Karns, putting two extra Karns. There are no Bridges main deck. 
and less Trinispheres. Yeah, I did see Zach. I think he tweeted this. I'm pretty sure he tweeted that he thought that it might be correct to play Bridge Main right now. So it was something that was on his radar. He was talking about cutting potentially two war bosses, I think, for Bridges Mm -hmm. in the main. So that's kind of actually akin to what we see Rich doing. Zach's is very much like the no-nonsense list. And actually, Rich is going no Chandra, right? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's going no sign no sign of Urza. Right. He's got four great creator instead of the yep. three three. Yeah, because yeah, no Chandra would be pretty crazy, honestly. Yeah. So yeah, these are actually pretty different lists, even though they're they're mostly the same cards, right? There's just uh, a Pia in, in Zach's deck, like a one of Pia and Kieran. And then it's just, yeah, well, three and steering bridges and riches lists, and then it's just a balancing act on, on the number of copies of other cards you play. But and I think that Zach, both these lists Zach are good. is not playing any fiery confluence at all. Oh wow. Jeez, nowhere. No respect for the blade, man. Good for him though. That's that's training wheels off. And I guess that's just what your your curve necessitates if you're gonna play six cards and four challenges, right? Like yeah, you just can't true. you can't possibly fit it. I guess you could play it over a Pia. That is true. And yeah, he's leaning into like he's playing great furnaces because he has Slime of Urza to get the artifact count up. So he he's really leaning into that aspect of the deck. I think they're both cool lists. I think they're both pretty tight. And yeah, obviously they Scion, both did really well. Sorry, uh, Snow. Sorry, Great Furnace <laughs> also plays with Pia and Kieran. Like yes. there are there are a few other interactions with that 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 definitely makes sense. Yeah. And then what's uh what's also cool is these sideboards are so different. Like Rich is playing four Leyline of the Voids, and with three Eidolons that we discussed already. And then at, I've never seen this before. As a one of in the sideboard and potentially a Karn target is a Winter Orb and a Helm of Obedience. I've never seen either of those cards. I also haven't for Mono Red. However. If you have enough sideboard space to where you're thinking you have all of the bases covered, uh, sheer boarding in four ley lines, maybe you want to get a helm. Yeah, it just seems sweet to me. It seems like a great idea. I just never thought of it. And Winter Orb is one of those cards in a ton of matchups where you slam it and it's like a red back to basics, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, no, it's, it's really pretty cool. So yeah, they they only share like maybe two cards in common outside of like the obvious Karn Tutor targets in their sideboards. Mm-hmm. For playing basically the same deck, that's just pretty wild, I thought. So yeah, on to number four, we got Red Black Reanimator showing up with just a traditional Red Black Reanimator list played by Juice Master W. Yep. Nothing and, to say. And then the No Good Suna, another uh, red list with no sign of Urza, only two Magus of the Moon, three Fiery Confluence, and four Trinisphere in the main. Yeah, this no, is more no of the rich list. Well, I think this is more like the stockiest list of, of like what I would expect. If I were to draw this deck up on paper, like seeing, just knowing what my opponent was on and not seeing any of the cards, Yep. this has every card that I would expect to be in the main and none that I wouldn't expect to be there. Okay. Like, none of the flex yeah. slots. These are all just fours instead of flexes. Yep, I agree. So, yeah, obviously doing well. And there is a helm in this sideboard, too. So, 
yeah, maybe that was something that people were getting on and I just didn't realize. And they're on the Scab Clan Berserker instead of Eidolon the Great Rebel. I think that Eidolon is really pretty cool, man, to be able to stick that turn on. I agree. I never thought of Eidolon in a deck that had this many zeros. Yeah. But honestly, once you make make it through your first, second turn, your moxes and your chalices are gone anyway. It's it's probably better than Scab Clan. Yeah, I I think it pretty clearly is. Like I it makes me wonder why Scab Clan was ever really incorporated, to tell you the truth, because like yeah, it's a little bit better, but it's not really turn one reliable at all. Yep. And you can just like you know, play play like a turn one uh Eidolon and then take two damage off a tomb and play a turn two Chandra, and how is somebody gonna on their turn two? Even if they're playing like a, a Delver or something like that, just like find the answers in like a reasonable time without taking a huge chunk of damage from Chandra and Eidolon, right? Well, I mean, they're taking a huge chunk of damage from Eidolon. Yeah, but and, days, and Chandra just days, like buries Okay, them. yeah. If Chandra resolves, right? Right, true, true. But you, you have answers after that. Yes. You get to chip away with Eidolon, but it's not, yeah, it's not game over. Yeah, it's true, but it does present some serious questions, so I, I really like it. It just seems like a, a really solid, proactive plan. Mm-hmm. So now we get to Palace Jailers. You just take one, this? one you in the main take... deck, but I never gave this deck enough credit. I still probably don't, but in a world without Terminus, this deck is great. Yes. If people are yeah. trying to like one for one and work their way into a mid game, the human stack can go way over the top really quickly. Yeah, it's super, you know, it's a vile deck. It's it's super instant speed. You have the uh what are they called? Kite sail freebooters to fuck with hands, you have meddling mages to fuck with plans, you have just a lot of a lot of like subtle disruption. And a lot of like putting putting pressure. It doesn't clock very quickly, but you can put enough pressure and enough clock together in most scenarios. Uh, I've found that that they just managed to eke out games against me where I'm like, shit, that yeah, I can't believe they fucking drew that card. When in reality, they just played it really well, right? Yep. Yeah. So it, it yeah seems like a death and taxes variant that taxes the hand. Yep. Rather than the mana. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, that's that's kind of exactly what it is, man. It's kind of like the blue player Seth and Taxes, even though it's not like a brainstorm deck. It, it's still very like back and forth ish, and there's a lot of there's there's a lot of combat math too because you have the values of the tenant and the uh, champion of the parish. So like you you have to know those maths with your other creatures and manage how much you want to commit to the board versus how much disruption you want to hold back. Mm-hmm. So it's not an easy deck to play. I mean, it's you know it's a creature vile deck and not easy at all. So yeah, congrats to uh, Yosoi Easy. Seventh place is the first uh, Astro Snow Bug four color Grand deck, Astro Zombie. Yeah, this this is too much for me. <laughs> Why do you say that? Okay, the. I love the idea. Right? Play the strongest deck. I love... No, okay, look. 
I love the idea. But let's look at the four ofs. What Astrolab, four? Brainstorm, Force. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Right? Uh. It seems like out of the creature suite and the planeswalker suite and the rest of the spells, you would want you would want something <laughs> maybe a little bit more consistent. Like no ponder. Wow, no ponder. No ponder. You're playing three Ren, three Snapcaster, three Goyf. Yep. I I feel like this deck is a little unfocused for what's going on. Yeah, this is honestly pretty close to what Tom, uh, our buddy T-Vac Tom, has been playing online. Uh, he's been... First he was eschewing the red, just playing Bug with like Dead of Winter in it. And four Ice Fang Coatles. And then he went to like a Green Sun package that kind of... So he's playing like lower numbers of these creatures, but has Green Suns to be able to find them. And so this kind of looks a lot more familiar to me for that reason, but I do see those criticisms that you have. Like they do seem valid. Like this is there. There's sort of this romantic idea of these control decks that can sort of be anything at any time, and like you can stick a turn two Tarmogoyf and start clocking somebody with like a five six because you have, you know, like artifacts and planeswalkers in the graveyard, but. Really, what this deck is, potentially, is all the wrong cards at the wrong time, too, right? Right, and obviously, to do well in a premiere event like this, you drew well. But with the selection that this deck has, I feel like a lot of the times you're going to draw your opening hand with your mana base and look at what you have, given the inconsistency mm-hmm. of the deck construction, and you're just not going to have it. So, I... Yeah. I tip my hat to this pilot, Astro Zombie, for making it as far as they did. But wow, the potential of of this deck going wrong seems huge to me. Yeah, I'm way more on board with your your sentiment here with seeing that there are zero ponders because like one plague engineer, you know, like you're you're playing these like these cards, like one Narset, one plague engineer, uh what else? Two uh, Thoughtseize. Two Thoughtseize. Two K of, Command. Yeah, two K Command. You're kind of playing these cards to be able to find them, right? And if you're not maximizing your ability to find them, and I understand Narset kind of overlaps pretty heavily with with Leovold, and maybe that Narset is just the third Leovold that you don't want to play because it's legendary or whatever. So I can kind of understand that one, but like especially with the Plague Engineer, I just feel like you know you you put it in there because you want to be able to find it if you need it. So or or Ren, you're putting it in there because you want it. Yes. And two Ice Fang Coddle. Like if That's... you're if you're playing that as your two drop draw card threat, only having two just seems seems off. I think that's a lot more forgivable, honestly. Because you hold it up, right? Like you represent decay, and if they don't play anything, you just drop Coaddle and draw a card. Like it's not like Strix where you have to commit to that plan. It's more like uh, just an alternative thing to do with your mana if the opponent passes. Okay. But yes, I, I, I feel you. So yeah, this is uh, this is the snow list. Reasonably close to what we'd expect. No ponders. Yeah, that's what it is. And then eighth place, we've got Gul Dukat with 
I guess this is what you'd call turbo depths now, you know, because it seems like Reclaimers just adopted in all of the levels of depths. Yeah, I I never... I was wrong about this card. In all of the decks that seem playing, I was wrong. And it is slowly becoming, or quickly becoming, a straight-up legacy staple. So that is is 100% something I was wrong about. It's a pretty wild card, man. And it's like kind of kind of exactly what this deck needs, right? Another one drop semi threat that can like bridge the gap between you comboing and you chipping away yep. while also providing a little bit of value if you get to untap with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sick, man. So yeah, that's the that's the top eight. And this is like a pretty traditional, I would say like uh so four Mox Diamonds seems to just be like accepted now in these depth decks we're seeing a lot of that mm-hmm. but this is just like this is turbo i mean this is sylvan scrying like four crop rotation no like uh dark confidant or other cards that might lend this to be like a medium depth right yeah well bob bob and plague engineer yeah that's that's a tough it's a tough way to go wait what do you mean um oh just like playing it in play, a plague playing an x1 now right. into into other people playing Plague Engineer. Yes, gotcha. Yeah. Yep. And this deck actually has three Plague Engineer on the sideboard, too. They know what they want to target. Yep. So, yeah, pretty sweet, man. So, yeah, do you want to talk about any other lists, or do you want to move to the challenge? Uh, So, yeah. Number yeah. 12. Number 12. JTL 005. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, this one. True name taxes. So, more white blue tempo vile. I love this deck. I tried to make a mom Delver Stoneforge true name package work where it was like vile, days force, brainstorm, ponder all of those creatures and it just like it didn't seem like it was better than Stoneblade and it didn't seem like it was better than just straight up taxes I've just never seen the allure of, of wanting to play mom together with true name honestly but it's mom with the other stuff like mom and Stoneforge with ponder brainstorm force days yeah that that's the allure of the deck and this day takes that shell and puts it together with Vile. And I 100% don't think this is the best iteration. I don't. But I think it's a great shell to start brewing with. So, like, I, I really don't know if we're talking about Weathered Wayfinder as I something. I love that card, man. Well, it's a great card. And Weathered Wayfinder just getting Wastelands. It's the original uh, Elvish Reclamationist or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, it's it's nuts. But I I loved seeing a card like Fathom Seer. Yeah, what the fuck is that? Yo, like, that's that's a draw engine to be able to turn on your knights and your wayfarers and to be able to recur your wastelands. Like, you flip it, you pick up two cards, right? You activate your Wayfarer, get a Wasteland, play your Wasteland, Wasteland them, 
it you can go nuts with it what say that again i'm sorry okay so you play it as a morph for three yep you you turn it, it you turn it up so you return to you gosh basically yep you float mana yep you activate your wayfarer you have two less lands in play you get a wasteland from your deck. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, it. I'm sorry. 100%. So like Makes the sense gush, now. the gush effect turns on your wayfarer to be able to get wastelands, and your knights, your your knight of the white orchid to be able to yep. to go get another one. Gotcha, man. Yeah, now that makes sense. Yep. I and was, I was blanking on the land tax requirement. The uh, the stoneforge package without batter skull. I love that too. When yeah, when you yeah. know that you have enough enough people to be able to uh, like suit up. Yeah, you have Sarah Avenger, and you have disposables like Fibblethip and shit like that, so... Yeah. That's very much what this deck is. And then four Stoneforge with, with two moms to make extra Stoneforges. Yep. I'm not quite sure about Fibblethip, but good good for trying. I mean, Fibblethip is like, you know, you don't want to... It's obviously not Strix, but you don't want to reach into another color, right? Yeah. So also, like, like, did you see 19th place... I did not know. Nineteenth place, baller slivers. Baller slivers. Fucking baller slivers. Standstill. Force. Force spike. Yo. Force yeah, spike. Is, this is. I played. I played Manatide and some decks in modern. You're playing force spike and legacy. You have my stamp of approval. <laughs> I do like force spike. I'm a big fan of disrupt, which never sees play. It's true, but. But uh, Force Spike is definitely more versatile and more legendy. All school legal cards always uh, get my same approval as well. Stubborn Denial, dude. That's just like... Uh, uh, it's not. I was going to say like strictly better Force Spike, but it's not. It's almost. Yeah, pretty close. I, I, really, like, I really like this list. This list looks like a lot of fun, man. There's none of that, like, bullshit, like, I don't know what they're called, but, like, um, the shitty caverns, you know what I mean? Well, this isn't even playing for real caverns. Right. They have to play, like, a real mana base. Unclaimed territory? Yeah, that kind of shit. Ancient ziggurat. Yeah. No, this is, like, a legit, I'm gonna cast blue spells and then dump my two-cost slivers all over you. Yep. It's a four of vile deck with almost everything being a two. Yeah, and this is honestly not that dissimilar to the last deck, like in terms of like if you break down the numbers, right? Right. If you look at like the actual creature count versus the blue disruption, it's yep. that's where you are. Yeah, and this is just playing standstill instead of stoneforge. It's pretty cool, man. I like it. I I think that if I were to play slivers, I'd play something closer to this, even though it's probably not as tested not as not as like uh battle scarred as the other deck where you feel like the numbers might be a little tighter yeah but you have your security blanket of blue interaction exactly which is why right? i would play it yeah absolutely um no, every- that's pretty sweet everything else i mean the um the 20 sorry the 30th place deck yeah four coddle three snap Tons of planeswalkers with the astrolab. I can I can get behind that, but <laughs> really, 
Well, I mean, this his, is the one that you like. If if you're gonna go that nuts, yeah, and play four colors, fuck it, play ten planeswalkers. Yeah, all right. So you you're think- you're more likely to astrolab into a color that will fix you in this deck. You have four Ren. You're playing double blue Narset. Yeah. You have Teferi with your very sort of limited white sources. I don't know. That's... You have so- four plows. You do have four plow. So you kind of need white. <laughs> but you're playing one planes and one tundra as your only white sources. Yeah. So what I'm saying is like, you have your Astrolabs. Yeah. And your color fixing bro you say it like it's on the fucking cartoon network <laughs> astrolab isn't that like the the tinfin shit is it how how would you say it astrolabe right i uh, we gotta google this maybe it's french i don't know <laughs> it is arkham so I would, I would tend to believe it could be french Here there's we no go. Way, there's also no way it's a real word. Here we yeah. go. No, it's a real word. Astrolabe. Yeah. Is that how you said it? Yeah. Fuck, I'm wrong. Okay. It's like uh, Astro... You know what you were telling me? It's on Cartoon Network? Astrolabe 3000 or something like that? Astrolab 3000, I mean. C-Lab? So C-Lab. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yep. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. We, we we got through all last episode. I didn't interrupt you at all because I figured by this week you'd be saying astrolabe, but I just had to. I'm sorry, I had to do it. You did. It's fine. <laughs> it's it's fine. no mayor, it's no mayor folk. I wasn't that triggered, but. <laughs> so yeah, this deck, man. I'm glad you like it because this is one of the rare decks that I'm, I'm not going to go to bat for. <laughs> okay. Now I'm just saying, if you're going to stretch your mana that far, you might as well go that far. <laughs> so. Has anyone ever gone that far? They have. Apparently. So yeah, that's uh that's the list. That's, those are the lists, I should say. From the MCQ. One of the most uh competitive events, obviously, that we have over the season. And pleased to say, fucking two hundred and ten players. Oof. Legacy is a dead format, just to remind everyone. Yep. Format's dead. Nobody, nobody play it. Moto is also dead. Like you, you go to, you know, you can wait ten minutes for a game according to what people think. I've never waited more than six minutes for a fucking draft queue, and I'm at sixty drafts of M20. So that all this fucking talk of Moto being dead, like I just don't see it, man. Like Moto's the, better than Arena. It's so good, and like the the fucking uh. The pack prices came down because of all the MCQ kind of shit going on this weekend, and a lot of like sets were handed out and stuff, boosters. Yep. So the pack prices of M20 went down to like two fifty. So you can draft for like nine bucks now. It's just fucking great, in my opinion. Like I, I that day when I that uh, Tuesday of last week when I took the afternoon off from work because of uh, complications entirely brought on by myself, <laughs> I. I was up like over 100 tickets in one day. You know what I mean? Like, you can play, like, you can just casually just win money. You know what I mean? Like, it, it scratches that itch because you're playing for something real. Like, it, it actually does matter. Even if it just matters a little, it just it just has to matter. Yeah, I always took the benefit of playing Magic as, like, you are keeping your 
<coughs> your brain and your critical thinking sharp too. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm holding off Alzheimer's by playing a game. I do. I honestly think that sometimes. <laughs> that's a, that's a serious thought I have sometimes. Me too. Wow. Okay. All right. So you know who is seriously holding off Alzheimer's? You know who's chomping at the fucking bit right now? Is that who we're talking about? MZ fucking Frosty. Just waiting for us to say his name. Yep. Yeah, that's that would be that would be the great state of Maine, the great the great white North, right? The The all time leader in legacy challenge victories. The dude in the car. Number one. Mr. Frosty. Or Ms. Frosty, I should say. So, yeah. Which deck? Fucking Elvish Reclaimer. That's yeah. a, that the reason why I'm saying I'm wrong about that card is because of him. Because it's over because yeah, it's because it's over. Right? Like I saw everybody else play it and I was like, man, that card, I'm just not sure. And then he plays it, I'm like, I'm wrong. So I got a I got a message from Topher. When you talk about the challenge on the podcast tomorrow. Please make sure to mention how well-rounded and handsome of a player I am and how expertly I pilot decks to victory, then metagame the list out of being competitive and jump ship to a new deck and repeat. That can't be the message. <laughs> that is the message, bro. No. I swear to God. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. It is an awesome message. <laughs> uh, I appreciated that one. Yep. <laughs> but yeah this list is tight man like obviously we talked a lot about how competitive this deck was when we were throwing out drunkenly throwing out like what we thought might be the best deck in legacy on the end of our last episode we were we were saying depths like we both said depths like was in the running right it's clearly like in the running right now i don't remember that <sighs> that doesn't surprise me yeah okay but, i'll have to go back and listen it could possibly be that, that maybe I just said it, but I think you said it too. Okay. But the two nurturing peatland, I, I really like in this list. I it, This is what I expected to happen, and I hadn't seen to the degree that I was hoping. Mm-hmm. Or not hoping, but just expecting. is like for these canopy lands to be adopted by these decks, by the burns, by the uh, the depths decks. Like these these decks that don't have access to brainstorms don't have you know can't really get through their deck really quick like you have a silver library in this deck obviously but just more ways to accelerate it's just more bayous right and it also allows you the option to like if you see submerge start to come back oh it's a it's a bayou list bayou yeah so it won't trigger the submerge clause and it allows you to still like uh be able to to mitigate flood so, I really like that. Yeah, uh, that's not my original idea, but I saw a lot of people talking about why these decks are playing Bayou when Submerge is kind of making a comeback with the rug-based Ren decks sometimes playing Submerge. Yeah, you still have to play like one Bayou for your Verdant sort of lines, but I could totally see that. I, I like that too. So yeah, if anybody starts playing, what's that card? Acid Rain. If anybody starts playing Acid Rain to hate on depths, you got Peatland to protect you. I think that's what Tom was about to say. 
I'm sure he'll leave this in the cast, so you guys will all get to hear it. So, yeah, second place, Svaka with the four-color Ren deck. Is this one that you like more? It's a four-ponder. I like four-ponder, for sure. And I like four-Ren and the Strix. Like, this is a much more... This is a much more conform list to what I would consider playing a four-color Ren. Yeah, this is not snow. This is just, like, pop. Right. There's no Astrolab. It has <laughs> the good Astrolabe. There you go. I apologize. <laughs> Astro- yeah, I like I like this list. I bet. Yeah. So, yeah, I could, I could definitely respect this list. Bro, where's the basics, though? Doesn't matter. There's Doesn't no there's no astrolabe. Fuck Blood Moon. Just run it all out there. This is yeah, this is truly What's that bike called, man? What's that what's that Japanese bike from the nineties? The um, like uh Mongoose? No, it was like it was it was it's the Japanese word for peregrine falcon. Yeah, I have went, no it idea. Went, it went like two hundred and ten miles an hour. It's not Hayabusa. Yeah, Hayabusa. Thank you. Hayabusa. New, yeah, the, Hi- the LA Times article in 1999 led me to that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. The Hay- This is the Hayabusa of of four color rent. When you when you said Japanese bike, I was actually thinking bicycle. <laughs> I was. I was. I in the 90s. I was riding bicycles. Yeah. Anyway. Let's continue. Were you riding rollerblades too? Yeah, I fucking had rollerblades. <laughs> no, <laughs> Rollerbl- rollerblades are one thing that were fucking cool that everybody else was wrong about getting phased out. Fuck, fuck everybody that at some point decided rollerblades weren't cool. Rollerblades were the shit. <laughs> <sighs> You're on your island with that one. Oh no, people agree with me on twitter please <laughs> at t smiley mtg bro you're getting some some knee pads in photoshop right now no no listen you you had to have the knee pads but <laughs> put put some custom wheels on the rollerblades like if you were if you were really extra you could have got the brake pad yep. that yep. sparked <laughs> ever i mean i I wasn't using the brake pad to stop. Yeah, the, I was no, I was hockey stopping. The second and third leads, you need, second and third wheel, you need the grind plates. That's what's really extra. Yeah, I didn't have the grind plates. I wasn't I wasn't about that. <laughs> yeah, that's oh my god, dude! Did you wear those knee pads when you were in the dunk contest? No. Okay. I wasn't dunking on rollerblades, Ian. Just wondering, bro. Seems Listen, like you lived a pretty wild my, life. So. My rollerblading ass in the 90s used to be able to, no joke, throw the ball off the backboard, catch it, cuff it, and do a 180. So I'm just, uh, I'm saying. On rollerblades? What? On rollerblades? No. Uh, I'm, I'm saying I, never mind. <laughs> you started that with my rollerblading ass. So. My roller, My ass that used to rollerblade. Yeah. could perform the the feat that I mentioned. That's pretty sick. It is. So third place in this challenge, bro. This is the list that we spent 10 minutes just gushing over. 
Well, I mean, it's not the exact list, but it's, it's pretty close, man. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I like it too. It's the Green White Depths list, and it's really pretty sick. I mean, we've, we're kind of just going over ground we've already covered at this point. Two tomics, though, in response to the meta. I think that that's awesome. Yeah, you know what I, you know what I like the most out of this? What? The one of Tabernacle in the sideboard. Oh, if any, that. if anybody wants to play this deck, but they're missing a Tabernacle, I have a Tabernacle. I'm looking to sell. <laughs> you sure it's not the Titania Protector of Argos in the sideboard? I like that too. However, <laughs> that card I feel like too often makes you want to wasteland yourself and get blown out. Yep. So don't do that. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> but. Yeah, it's a it's a really tight list that I'm honestly I'm gonna play. I'm gonna commit to playing it this week in a league, at least one league, because I I do I really like a lot that's going on in the list, and I feel like there's some room to pluck it. So I I also want to. We'll see if I have time. <laughs> do you still have a, a like a laptop set up? Obviously, if you're recording. Yep. So yeah, then we've got <laughs> we've got terminus or sorry, we've got miracles. In fourth, followed by Jund, like the the Ren Jund resurgence, punishing Jund kind of list in fifth by Kazuga. M. Lupa playing Ant in sixth place. So, sorry, for the fifth place Kazuga list, yeah. I feel like it's more aggro loam. You're absolutely right. Fuck. I jumped a gun on that one. It's, I mean, it's close, right? Yep. No, it is aggro long. You're right. I just saw the lilies and wrens and just kept scrolling. Yep. Yep. No, we got a uh, four nether reliquary in that list. So chalice, 100%, just old loamless, or one loam actually, but close to what people were calling loamless. Aggro half loam. Yep. Uh, Ant in Yo, sixth. Hold up. What's Spicy. Up? Tell me what's spicy about it. Are you talking about Veraska? Nope. No, I'm saying the spicy about the ant list. Oh, the ant. I'm sorry. The ant list is the the veil in the main. The veil. Two veil somewhere in the main deck. Yeah. Silence. And two more in the sideboard, bro. Now, silence, but in the mirror. Yeah, silence. But like wreck, wreck your life. It's like absolute North Pole level of silence. Yeah, it's like the ultimate counter spell, right? It counters your whole turn. Your whole the whole turn. rest of your turn. Whatever your ad nauseum is gonna do, whatever your fucking tendrils thing, like you're just fucked. Yeah, you just let them get all their ad nauseum cards, and you're like, great. And then you silence them, and you then you and- tendrils them for two. You and permanence you control have hexproof. Like, how beautiful is that? It's like they really thought about this one. It's literally, let's take everything and put it on one green card to try to get green back in the meta. It worked. And they're like, shit, we printed Ren. We did it already. (laughs) Yeah. So, seventh place, speak of the devil. We got four Ren in the Grixis Elver list. This seems like a very Lawrence Harmon list to me. By the way, who deserves a shout out, who started their own podcast, 
Oh, because we we hadn't had an Amon for a while. Oh no. Thirst thirst for knowledge. He was like, "Listen, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. I can either do it and take all your listeners, you could have us on again." <laughs> and you didn't get back to him. Shit. Yep. Oh, wow. RIP our podcast. Is it is it out yet? It is. It's out. Thirst oh, for I knowledge. I, I didn't Look, know that. Check I mean, out Lawrence Harmon at Delicious Waffles on Twitter. No. No. Wait, is what do you mean, no? Is he Delicious Waffles on Twitter? I thought he was I Am The Law on Twitter. Fuck. I Am The... Yep. Do that. There we go. So, yeah, I'll check that out, man. I don't know how I missed that, but... I remember every aspect, every step of this along the way, but I didn't hear the actual release of the podcast, so... And then, uh, eighth place, no, no, san. No, that's not what it is. <laughs> no, no, san, no, san. Yep. With the Hogak Depths list. Lots of Reclaimer. Yep. Lots of Reclaimer. Lots of Reclaimer in this whole challenge. So I'm sure that you don't want to, after the week that was, like last week or whatever how many decks from the deck dump we talked about no we're not doing it there is one list that we absolutely must talk about from this this legacy do you know what it is no who who is the most likely culprit adam wallace no who who's the pie piper of budget decks DN Solver. Ooh, Curtis. Do you have it open? No. Alright, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start slow. One Containment Priest, four Dark Confidant. This is main deck? Yep. One Palace Jailer, one Revoker, three Recruiter of the Guard. One Prelate, four Stoneforge Mystic, four Thalia, four Hex Mage. <laughs> one Batter Skull, four Chalice, four Mox Diamond, one Sword of Fire and Ice, one Jit. Four Dark Depths, one Strand, three Caracas, four Marsh Flats, two Plains, two Scrublands, one Swamp, four Stage, four Urborg, one Wasteland. Wow. Black White Stone Depths. <laughs> too deep. Too, too deep, bro. I mean, I, that's that's a boatload of great twos. Yes, everything but, is a great two. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it's a Chalice deck with, with Dark Depths, like, wins and it's also death taxes right i don't know i don't have much to say about this list to be honest it's just it's just cool to see curtis 5-0 with something else now that everyone's picked up hogak and it's too trendy yep i uh yeah i don't know what to say it's got palace jailer so you love it that's what you should say yeah there we go bro what is crippling fatigue have you ever seen this card uh nope one black black it's from snake eating its tail target creature gets minus two minus two until end of turn flashback one black pay three life hmm so it's an entombable disfigure yeah i don't know about this it's not in this list i'm sorry it was in just uh red black or, i'm sorry oh okay okay it was in a hogak list hmm. but yeah I just wanted to shout that out real quick. Everybody go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If people want to find you, Tom, on Twitter, because they 
rollerbladed in the 90s and they have some sweet pictures and they want you to sign their knee pads, how can they get in touch with you? At TSmileyMTG. I'm going to have to go back to my parents' house, look in the basement to find my rollerblade knee pads. They're there. What's the worst part about going back to your parents' house to tell your dad you're going to find your rollerblades? Yo, you made this <laughs> reference multiple times. I still don't get it. I don't. I don't. Do I have to Google like telling no, no. telling your dad you rollerblade? Yeah. Alright, hold on. Rollerblading with a Z's and sorry. Is this It could be. If people want to get in touch with you to say, listen, you were just too young to appreciate the beauty of rollerblading. Where can they tell you that? Bro, I'll challenge you to a rollerblade off if you want. That would be we'd have to go get rollerblades. <laughs> yeah. Are you saying that like we should spend our Patreon money on getting rollerblades and yeah. like yeah. having saying, somebody videotape us rollerblading? I've rollerbladed. I just don't admit to it. Like I, I <laughs> I've I spent a good deal of time on rollerblades. That's the new intro. Forever, like permanently. <laughs> that's that's the one yeah bro i'll i'll, I'll take you on so no knee pads though so. so at ian18125 you want to email the cast that's deadformatcast at gmail.com do we get any emails this week yep no no we did i know that's why i said no yeah the one that said I need your financial assistance with the subject of... (laughs) Yeah. Too close. So yeah, we did get that email. (laughs) I forgot about that. Alright. Deadformatcast at twitter.com or something like that. Something. Alright, that's a wrap.